It's an honor to have Brother Brian Sharp with us once again. He's been here on a number of occasions in the past. We're delighted he could be back with us. He's sort of glad he can be anywhere after what he's been through the last uh, month or so. Of course, he's sort of like me. Sometimes you think uh, when you go through heart attack and things like that, you, you kept me out of heaven. You got me still here, you know. But the Lord still has work for him to do, and we're delighted that he is uh, well enough and recovering and able to be here. And uh, we enjoyed, how many of you enjoyed the Sunday school this morning? Amen? That was good. And he'll be speaking now, then tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I hope you'll be here for each of those services. Brother Sharp is the director of the Gentile ministry. They've done some tremendous things in the country of Israel through the years. God has used him to build inroads and to touch people. They've started a number of churches there. And God's used that ministry there, and, and we're just uh, honored that he can be here, that he'll take the time to come be a part of our church and our lives and give us, in a sense, give us four days of his life to minister to us. You listen carefully as he comes and preaches for us. Thank you, Pastor Shelling. Good to be with everyone here today, and it certainly is an honor to be uh, on this particular day where you celebrate the 42nd anniversary of this local church. I almost, almost started Sunday school on a different series, The House of God. I thought, I'm going to save it for the end, and I'm going to do this other first. But if we get time, you're going to learn some things this week about the house of God and the history of this house of God. And I'm not talking about in one or two generations from the beginning why we are here. God's, God's a miracle-working God. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's author and finisher, beginning and end, first and last. He changes not. He changes not. But thank you so much, Pastor, for inviting me to come. Certainly good to see uh, uh, some new faces. How many of you have never heard me preach? You're not missing much, but that's a good crowd that's here. Uh, good to see new faces, good to see some familiar faces. You get a little older, you learn how to choose your words a little differently. I'd rather say familiar faces than old faces. Good to see our friends Woody and Mary Marvel visiting today. The Gentile ministry has no greater friends than these two. Their work with the Jewish people in the state of Kentucky is second to none. Hundreds of copies of God's Word in Hebrew they have placed in the hands of predominantly younger Jewish people who have just finished their term of service in the IDF Israeli Defense Forces and are here for a three-month uh, stay. And Woody and Mary actively seek them out, make friendships. And some of these friendships have been going on for years and years. These people have gotten married, and I think even named a child or two after Woody or Mary. They consider, uh, I think I'd be okay to say that they consider you their surrogate parents or grandparents. And when we go to Israel, there's just all kinds of Jewish people just come. They don't come to hear and see me. They come to hear and see Woody and Mary because they've made the connections. Take the scripture, turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5. While you're turning there, I'll make quick mention of the book and tape table. How many of you do receive the Gentile ministry emails? All right, if you would like to receive those emails, we just need your email address. Your email address is not sold. It's not used for solicitation. I will take you behind the scenes of what's going on in Israel, especially uh, along the Gaza border, 
as well as what the world, what's happening in the world against is what's happening in the United States. 2021 saw more attacks against Jewish people in the United States than at any other time. And this is a private email. I do not give you permission to forward it. I do not give you permission to reproduce it at all. And the reason is because of security. It is not unusual for me to receive, I've received as many as 100 death threats in a month's time, simply because of my pro-Israel stand. Now, if, if they're after me, they're certainly after the Jewish people. And in those emails, you're going to see pictures of very prominent Jewish people. And if a terrorist intercepts that email, he can figure out by the background where this picture was taken, maybe a time frame, and he can plot. There's not an hour of any day where terrorists are not plotting to kill Jewish people. Now, if it were your son or your daughter serving the Lord as a messenger on a field, particularly Israel, you would not want a terrorist finding out where they live and what their schedule was. This is where the scripture says we need to be as wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. This is for your information and your eyes only. Read between the lines. See how God is blessing, and he is blessing. Abundant. You, I can spend days without getting down from this pulpit just telling you the interaction that's happened in the last month. Uh, God is doing some great things. So the email is out there. Here's a book I wrote about 30 years ago, Mary Hart Doeth Good Like a Medicine. We found a couple of cases of these out in the barn. But we were sold out. Very humorous. You can read this to your children. I talk a lot about our children. They were little then. They're all married, gone now. But I talked a lot about it. And each chapter illustrates a scriptural truth, passage, or verse. And these are real illustrations. Sometimes preachers have trouble using those two words in the same sentence. These are true illustrations. They actually happen. Our scriptural right to keep and bear arms. When Jesus said, put up again thy sword unto its sheath, then turned to the crowd and said, they that take the sword shall perish by the sword. He was saying, Peter, this is not the time to use your sword. Jesus was saying, I have to be apprehended and die. You don't have to die right now. Keep your sword. And I suggest you keep your sword. And don't beat it into a plowshare until Jesus is sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And by the way, Jesus addressed the subject on three different occasions. What should I'm a Christian. If I get a gun, am I not trusting God? If I don't get a gun, am I tempting God? Is it a sin if I don't arm myself? Is it a sin if I do arm myself? What's the scripture have to say about it? All those questions are answered. If the foundations be destroyed, our foundations are being attacked, oh, are they being attacked today, among independent Baptists. Once that foundation begins to crack, uh, good luck trying to repair it. Good luck trying to repair what's sitting on top of it. That foundation has to be secure. Crept in unawares, I talk about certain individuals that have crept in, and they have supplanted thoughts and phrases that cause different doctrines 
When you see an S on the word doctrine in the scripture, it's always bad. Doctrines of men, doctrines of devils. Doctrine without the S is always good because it's singular as God is one. So there's no such thing as, you know, a class called scripture doctrines. Those scripture and doctrines are opposite. They're polar. They're polar opposite. You can have scripture doctrine. You can have doctrines of devils. That's been there. You can have doctrines of men. But doctrine is always singular. There are parts to doctrine, but it is always singular. And then I have finally finished Sharp's commentary on Revelation. Every verse in the book of Revelation is thoroughly commented on. This is in a three-volume set. This is just volume three. But I have all three volumes out there. It's over 1,100 pages long. No verses overlooked. No verses omitted. No verses glossed over. Every single verse. It is back there. Uh, I've been preaching through the book of Revelation. I've done it, I don't know, 140 times, I suppose, every verse over the past 47 years of preaching. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. God has revealed much unto us in his word. You can get this. You can understand it. If you are the first one and you come by my table and you want all three sets and you can tell me the difference between the, the covers on volume one, two, and three, and I'm not talking about the wording, you can tell me the difference on the covers, I'll deduct $5 off of your price. But you've got to be the first one. First Thessalonians chapter 5. How many of you are hungry? I better cut this two-hour sermon to hour and 45 minutes. I started this in Sunday school. Our text verse, verse 23, states, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. That is not holy as in H-O-L-Y. It's holy as in complete W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray God, your, and here are the three components of you as a born-again individual. Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless, we pray the message in Christ's name. Amen. The next verse I said in Sunday school was in Proverbs 18.1. Through desire, a man having separated himself. Seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. While I'm all for separation from ungodly things and the world, the verse is not talking about that type of separation. It's talking about separating yourself as we are born again, spirit, and soul, and body. The three make up one, and yet the three are distinctly different. You will have trouble and confusion and turmoil and apprehension in your life if your born-again spirit is not in the lead. Your soul is closer to your born-again spirit than is your body, and most often the soul and spirit are confused one with the other and cannot be defined even by those who are in the ministry. God's Word absolutely defines these as a distinct part of you. I ask in Sunday school, as I have asked in about 20 churches, and I only ask the women to vote. Again, the vote was 100%. Who displays more emotion between the genders, male or female? And it was 100% vote here by the women that women display more emotion than men. That is soul. And so, women, you have 
much more ability to communicate with the soul than a man does, but you must be careful that your soul is not in the lead and that it is subject unto your spirit. You may have a little tougher time at this than men, even though you may excel in reading a soul, you may have struggle a little bit more having your soul being in subjection to your born-again spirit and knowing the difference between the two. But it is not impossible. The scriptures of no private interpretation. And it is only understood by our born-again spirit, as I will prove before the day is over. The soul guesses, it feels its way through things. This is the way I feel in my heart. That sounds good, but that's someone's soul speaking. Jesus said, the heart is desperately wicked. He said that and through his word. He's the word. Jeremiah is the one who wrote that down. Jesus also said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, murders. You cannot trust your heart. If I'd have trusted my heart, I'd have married my first grade teacher. I was in love with her, Miss James. You can't follow your heart, your emotion, your soul, your conscience, your conscience state of awareness. The devil will try to get you to do that. But your born-again spirit will protect you from starting down that road which will, over the long haul and immediately, give your soul a peace that passes all understanding. The spirit is born again, it can understand God's word. The soul is not born again, it gets redeemed, it gets the promise of being eternal bliss one day, but it still goes through some turmoils down here on this earth. And uh, it, it can shortcut It can, out of sight, out of mind, I don't want to think about that. I just want everybody to be happy. Now, I can illustrate this a hundred different ways. Let let me choose this illustration just to show how a soul can wrongfully take the lead while thinking it's doing right. Okay, mama, grandma, you got a birthday party, and all the kids and grandkids are there, and you're in the backyard. And there's cake and ice cream and games, and everybody's going to get a surprise or a gift because you want everybody to have smiles on their faces. But we're going to sing happy birthday to one, but nobody's going to be omitted. And I'm all for you having that. I don't want to plan it. You do it. I want you to be happy. Now, I'm going to tell you some reality here, and I want you to pay attention. You're having this wonderful party, everybody's happy, all the kids, cake, ice cream, games, presents, gifts, singing happy birthday to you. And Mr. Bad Guy jumps over the bush in the backyard and starts opening fire. Let me tell you what 99% of you ladies will do. That child will scream, you will run, you will pick up that child, you will hug that child, and you will turn your back to Mr. Bad Guy. 
Sergeant Winkler, is that the right, correct response? No. You know what the correct response is? Take care of the bad guy. Eliminate him. The child will scream and cry. But see, the emotion will go to the child and hug, and, and then the bad guy eliminates everyone. The correct thinking, eliminate the bad guy first, then we can hug the child. Second, do you all understand that illustration? Do you understand how your soul, if it is in the lead, and it might mean well, but it's your heart. It's not the correct initial decision. And long term is very devastating. Your spirit's trying to get you to make a right decision initially so that long term we can have a lot of birthday parties and a lot of cake and a lot of ice cream. And we can do this quite often. Do you all understand the illustration part? I'm speaking to your soul so your soul can get this. I'm going to bring the Word of God in so your spirit can get it. Our soul. Occasionally, it can get things right. The more it's trained, the more it can get it right. But never should it be in the lead. Never should it teach nor usurp authority. Ever. The soul has to be in submission. And the reason I said this may be a tougher challenge for ladies is because God made no mistake when he made you a woman. He made no mistake at all. You are not inferior. Your soul is much more fine-tuned than a man's. You deal with children, you deal with souls quite often. And God made no mistakes. But a hard part is going to be switching off to soul to spirit, and soul, when the soul is in the lead or trying to converse with children, then the husband then being from soul led to spirit submission. And that can be a very tough transition. And we preachers have to understand this. That's why we are to be married, and that's why the church, we watch for their souls, and the church is described as in the feminine gender, and our goal ought to be to protect the soul by leading by the Holy Spirit, and having our spirit in subjection to the words that are in the scripture. So much is predicated upon these foundational truths of understanding what your body is, what your soul is, and what your spirit is. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Now let's learn how to separate the three. Even though the three are a part of us, the three are distinctly different. And you're going to see how to divide them. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is quick. We talked about quick creep. We talked about quickening, quick alive. God's Word is living. It's not outdated. Amen. It's still as true today as it's ever been and will always be. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any 
two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of, what are the next three words? How many of you see the Word of God is sharp enough to divide soul from spirit? How many of you see that soul and spirit are not the same thing? They are absolutely different. Soul food is not spirit food. Soul moving is not spirit instructing. God's Word is sharp enough to divide soul and spirit. Look at the next two that it divides in verse 12. Joints and marrow. Joint is made out of cartilage. Marrow is marrow. How many of you ladies have ever cut up a whole chicken? I've asked this, I think, here before. How many of you ladies have ever cut up a whole chicken? Every one of you are over 40. I don't even know if they sell whole chickens anymore. Everything's prepackaged, preformed. Why did you ladies buy a whole chicken? Because it was cheaper. And you were trying to make your budget stretch a little further to feed your family. And you went through the extra effort to cut that chicken up. You could get it cheap. You could get more chicken meat for your money when you did it that way. And a lot of these mothers in here, while they fed their children and husbands the breast and the thighs and the legs, some of these mothers were left with a chicken neck. But you ladies that have cut up a chicken, you know how to separate that leg without cutting through a bone. You can take the wing off without cutting through a bone. You fry that chicken leg. Everybody gnaws on it. You can take a knife and cut the cartilage off the end of that chicken leg bone. Sharp knife. You can peek inside that bone. It's hollow. Guess what's in there? Marrow. Joints and marrow. Marrow is not the joint. Close, but they're different. Soul is not the spirit. Close, but they're different. Joints and marrow, physical knife. Soul and spirit, the Word of God knife. What are the next two in this group? Hebrews 4.12. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What's the difference between thoughts and intent? They are close. Well, he meant well. They have a good heart. That is not God's thoughts. The, you guys sang the song. The special was saying about teach me to be like God's thoughts. Only your born again spirit can discern this book. I will prove that before the day is over. Your soul cannot accurately discern this. Neither can your body accurately discern this. Things can be said in repetition long enough, that becomes propaganda or becomes tradition. And the soul will replay it like an engraved record thinking that's what it says when sometimes it doesn't say that. But your spirit can't get this wrong. It cannot get it wrong because it's born of God. Our soul is not our spirit. Our body is not our soul. 
Our body is not born again. It'll get glorified one day. Our soul gets wonderful promises too. Our spirit, which was dead, is born again. What separates the word of God? God's thoughts and man's intentions are not the same. Here's a question. I may have asked this years ago. I ask it quite frequently. If you can complete this statement, it used to be a statement made in churches frequently. If you can complete the statement, don't say the answer, just raise your hand. If you cannot complete the statement, keep your hand down. But if you can complete this next statement, just raise your hand. The road to hell is paved with. If you can complete that statement, would you raise your hand and keep it up? I want you all to look around, look at all the old folks with their hands up. Do you see all the gray hairs with their hands up? How many of you, put your hands down, thank you. How many of you cannot complete that? Look at all the young folks. Old folks, complete the statement. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions are not God's thoughts. The best of man does not equal one word in this book. Every word in that book is pure. It did not go through a purification process to become pure. It started pure. God magnifies his word above his name. And his name is above every other name, and yet he's subject to his word. Whoa. That's why the Holy Ghost uses only his words, and your born-again spirit can get it if you'll push your soul to the back seat and get your emotions out of the way. The Holy Spirit is not affected by emotions. Fake crocodile tears. You know, every woman, look, I'm going to tell you how to win an argument, every woman. I'm going to tell you how to win every argument with Brother Sharp. Just start crying. I'll give you my wallet, just anything to make you quit crying. But the Holy Ghost is not fooled by fake tears. He sees through all of that. He's not mean. He just sees through it. And he's actually trying to help you. Man was originally made, I'm talking about Adam, in the image of God. God the Father pictures the body of the Godhead, steadfast, secure upon his throne. All of us who are saved will dwell with him one day. In every house of God on this earth, God dwells among men. There's a difference between the word among and the word with. He dwells among us. Even Jesus dwelt among us. In the New Jerusalem, he dwells with us. And what's the difference, Brother Sharp? Your spirit ought to be able to catch that. Well, let me ask you ladies a question. Do you want your husband dwelling among you or with you? You just want him somewhere in the area, along with a bunch of other women? Or do you want him dwelling with you as one? So it's very important that we understand this. And we cannot elevate our house of God above the Word of God or above the permanent house of God. 
That's conceited. That's pride. That's soul. God the Son pictures the soul of the Godhead. Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was touched. He wept. He understood. He was made in the form of man. He was all God, yet he was all man. He wasn't half and half. He understands your soul. He had one. His soul suffered anguish. His soul suffered sorrow and loneliness and weakness and temptations. His emotions wept. He got angry, but without sin. He overthrew the money changers' tables. He had feelings of being forsaken. He was perceptive of his surroundings when they wanted to kill him or when he needed to leave and go someplace else. His soul was sorrowful. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here, and watch with me. God the Spirit pictures our born-again spirit. Remember, we have body, soul, spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's a still small voice, and that voice describes not only the Holy Spirit, but your born-again spirit. Quiet, but definitely knows what is right and what is wrong according to the Word of God and not according to emotions. Emotions do not enter into the Holy Spirit or your born-again spirit's absolutes of righteous interpretation of all of God's Word. The Holy Ghost is the messenger of truth. Your born-again spirit is a messenger of truth. Neither cannot nor will they guide you into error, but always into truth. Now, Adam was made in the likeness of God. Since that time, man has been made in the likeness of Adam. There is a difference there, and I'll show you what that is. Adam was made in the image of God the Holy Spirit. He was called the Son of God. He had a soul. He had a live spirit first. He had a body. Now I want you to go to Genesis 1.26. Let me show you this foundational truth so that you can understand your body, your soul, and your born-again spirit. This is the history of man. We're going to start with the first. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He's the fourth word in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, God manifesting himself as more than one. This is not God and the angels. This is not God and the animals. Say us, let, let us make man in our image. It's not God in a pre-Adamic race. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, collectively as one saying, let us make man in our image after our, uh, in the, uh, after, uh, our image, after our likeness. So God created Adam after his image and after his likeness. Look at chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There's his body. Breathed. God's breath. Inspiration. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There's God the Holy Spirit inside of Adam. And man became a living soul. So you see body, spirit, and soul when God created Adam. Adam was created with a live spirit. Now God gave them a command. And by the way, write Job chapter 33 and verse number 4 down by Genesis 2-7. Job, the oldest book of Scripture, says 
The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Right in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. God formed the Spirit inside of Adam at creation. But God gave Adam a warning. Look at verse 17 of chapter 2. But, of the tree, but, but, you've heard me teach on this little word here, but. It's a conjunction word. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? It's hooking up two things together. But, and most of the time in the scripture, this conjunction word's hooking two opposites together. You can understand one verse or phrase on previous to this conjunction word. The next verse or phrase will be exactly opposite. Example. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are two opposites. So Adam, oh, he's complete. He's got a body, he's got a soul, he's got the Spirit of God in him. But, Genesis 2.17, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did God mean what he said right there? Did God say in the month? Did he say in the year? Did he say in the week? What did he say? In the day. Chapter 3, did Adam and Eve eat of that forbidden tree? Did God kill them on the spot? Were they still alive? Physically, were they still alive? Did the Scripture make a mistake here? Did God change his mind? Did God change his mind because he's a compassionate, loving God? And he really didn't mean that, he, that they would die on the same day they ate that. No? Adam died. But yet, he was still alive. Explain that. Well, I don't understand it. Let's just move on, have cake and ice cream and a birthday party in the backyard. God's voice came down, and as God's word walked with them, it came down again. And God asked the question in the garden, Adam, where art thou? How many of you think God knew where Adam was? Why did he ask the question? Maybe God wanted Adam to realize where Adam was. Where are you? Where was Adam? Hiding. Did he have a conscious state of awareness? Oh yeah. His soul was in the lead. Let's hide from God's word. And then the body got in cahoots with the soul. Let's cover it up. Let's be wholesome. Let's create a religion, a fig leaf religion. I'm just wondering how many fig leaves Eve tried on before she found one that she liked. <laughs> Honey, does this make me... Don't answer. Oh, their soul was in the lead. Their body was called cover-up. Got a makeup out there called Cover Girl. 
Holy Spirit sees through all that. It's fake. I'm not against makeup. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you cannot hide from God. Where are you hiding? Why? Naked. Who told you that word? How many of you parents have ever heard your children say something that you've never taught them? They've used a word. A bad word. A risque word. How many of you parents have ever gotten your children aside and say, where did you hear that? Who have you been hanging around? Do we not know that God was trying to get Adam to confess he'd been hanging around the devil and he picked up some terminology from Satan and his soul and body were not killed by God. They were still alive. And they tried to fake it. What part of Adam died, class? And at that moment, guess what? You want to see the consistency of Scripture? At that moment, Adam needed to be born again. Now, how were they born again? By their own merit? No. God provided coats of skin. That's exactly what the scripture says. Do you understand why Abraham said 21 chapters later God shall provide himself? That plan of salvation Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world. There aren't, it's only the faith. It's not faiths. We're to contend for it, the faith, not faiths. Nobody was saved differently back then than we are today or they will be in the future. It's always been by what God provided. And whosoever will may accept or reject it. So, after that, look at Adam's child. Genesis 5, verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. How many of you see that mankind is made after the likeness of Adam and the image of Adam, but Adam was made after the likeness and in the image of God. How many of you see that subtle difference there? And yet it's a very important difference. Because when Adam sinned, his spirit died. He needed to be born again. Now all of us, I don't care who you are on this planet, when you willfully sin knowing that you are disobeying what God's Word says, you need at that moment, you need to be born again. And you only get born again once. From that point forward, when you, the moment you get born again, the Holy Ghost comes inside, you got all of Him. You don't get more of Him. You got Him all when you got saved. He may not be on you as much as he'd like to, but you got all of him when you got saved. He's inside of you. Your spirit was quickened. Now you can learn this book. You can understand this wonderful, wonderful book.
Man, born in the likeness of Adam, Romans 5.12, wherefore is by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. There's no such thing as, as a gap. Whether it's taught as theory or fact, it doesn't, there was no pre-Adamic race. Adam and Eve were not walking on fossils. Albert, Brother Sharp, you know, it's because Satan, he sinned in eternity past. Well, I can prove to you Satan was created in the first six days. I can also prove that Eve is the mother of all living and that every one of you came from Adam and Eve. We all came from Noah. Amen. Amen. Every one of us. It wasn't Satan's sin that brought death into the world, wherefore as by one man's sin, death. Adam's sin, not Satan's sin. Every child born now is born, body and soul, they have what the scripture describes as a sinful nature. We not only are born with it, inherited, but we willfully sin, therefore we must be born again. Now I'm going to end, try to, in John chapter 3. Let's go there quickly. And again, I'm just touching the hem of the garment in these divisions that make up your whole, your spirit, your soul, and your body. But it's imperative that you understand the three so that you understand you, so that there is some discernment of Scripture and some wisdom, and so that you can determine who's in the lead. When you're faced with a decision, I mean daily, you can stop, pause, okay. Who's leaning which way? What part of me? My body, my soul, my spirit. Now, it's not wrong for your body to have a donut. It's not wrong for your soul to have a birthday party. But please, would you get permission from your born-again spirit so that you make sure it's not violating any of the Word of God? Submit. John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, natural first birth. Babies conceived, develops inside water of the mother's womb and of the spirit. Tell me something different about the word spirit there. What do you, what, what do you see immediately? Capital uppercase S, that's a Holy Ghost. So we have a natural birth, soul and body. We have a supernatural birth, born again by the Holy Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh, it's flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Your spirit, lowercase s. Holy Spirit, uppercase s. Your spirit's been born again, quickened by the Holy Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Titus 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Your part of you got regened, regeneration, regened. What? My dead spirit got born again, not from earthly man, but from my heavenly Father through the sacrifice of his Son, through 
the inspiration of his word through the Holy Ghost coming inside. I got regene. Regene, how I love to proclaim it. <laughs> There's something different. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not your soul, not your body, Spirit of God. Romans 8, 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba! Hebrew. Adoption pertains to Israel, Romans 9. We were strangers and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel till we got saved. Then God placed you into a family that was already in existence. You're not adopted by a local church. I understand you can be welcomed here, but that's not the part of, doctrine, of adoption doctrine. Uh, that would be like getting adopted into the adoption agency. The family was already in place. It contained former Jewish believers. We were strangers and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That we may be fellow heirs, joint heirs. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them I must also bring with me. We are adopted into a family. Abel's in that family. Read Hebrews 11. Abraham's redeemed. Read Hebrews 11. Read Isaiah. Jacob was redeemed. He told his family so. And use that word. They're already in place. You know when the Lord comes to take us off this earth, they're coming with him. He's already led captivity. Could you know they're with him now? We go to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wow. The Spirit itself, Romans 8.16, beareth witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. Why do you one doubt their salvation? Your soul's in the lead. I'll talk about it in the next hour. For some people, this is real. I've never doubted my salvation. I don't boast about that. I just never doubted it. I know I've counseled a hundred or more people who have. But always their soul is talking to me. And not their born-again spirit. And I, that can be solved. That can be solved. One counseling session can solve that. Romans 8, 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. Wow. There are innumerable benefits to being led by your born-again spirit, who is led by the Holy Spirit, who only uses those words right there. This will save you from making a misstep, a miscue. A wrong step is close to a right one, but it's not right. It's slightly. In time, it's way off. You, you can stay on this. Your spirit can get it. This book's of no private interpretation. You can understand it. I didn't say you'd understand all of it, but you can understand quite a bit of it. And the more you do understand, the more God will reveal. But you have to consciously, through desire, make the decision that you are not going to let your body be in the lead. You are not going to let your soul, emotions and all parts of it, be in the lead. You're going to let your born-again spirit be in the lead and use these words right here. If you'll make God that promise, you'll be amazed at what he will do in your life. Father, I pray you bless the message this morning.
Holy Ghost, we pray that you bless the invitation. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, how many by way of uplifted hand would indicate, Brother Sharp, I learned something in the message today about my body, my soul, my spirit. I want to thank God for that. I raise my hand to him and thank him for what he taught me in today's messages. If that's your testimony, can you raise your hand? God bless you. That, that is almost everybody in the auditorium. Thank you very much. You may put your hand down. Another question, perhaps you couldn't raise your hand then, and perhaps one of the reasons was that you're not sure that you have been born again, trying to feel your way through it, trying to, to be as good as you can. Well, let me just kindly say that all of us who have been born again tried something similar, but it doesn't work. All of us who have been born again got born again on one particular day in each of our lives. It was a different day for each one of us. But we asked Jesus to be our Savior. I will give you that opportunity today so that your spirit can be born again. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to protect and console your soul. Give you a peace that passes all understanding, not only here on this earth, but in eternity with him. How many would say, preacher, I am not sure I've been born again, but I want to be. Say a prayer for me, Brother Sharp. Don't forget about me. I want to be born again. If that's you, just slip your hand up and write back down, and I'll remember to pray for you. Who would do that this morning? Real quickly. God bless. All right, let's all stand, please. Head up, eyes open. I'll be done in 30 seconds. I'm going to pray and say amen. When I do, would you start playing then? All right? I want you to look at me. How many of you, God spoke to you? All right, your turn to speak to God. If you can come to the altar, get here. If you need to be baptized, join the church, see the preacher. If you just want to ask God to help you, get here. If you have trouble walking and kneeling, I understand. You can sit back down and pray to God in your pew. But let's talk to God. He is speaking to us. Father, bless this invitation time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.